Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,154. Taking that first step off the ship and going to that cubicle and being out of my comfort zone, but still looking back, having done well. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Michael Andrew. Hey, Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? A little white knuckled. I'm ready to go, Mark. (laughs) Here we go. Michael Andrew is the director of Redline Oil. Redline Synthetic Oil began creating lubricants for the racing industry in 1979. Today, they manufacture over 100 quality products, including motor oils, gear oils, assembly lubes, fuel additives, and their popular water wetter cooling additive. Prior to leading Redline, Michael was manager of midstream business development and JVs for Philip 66. He's been in the oil and gas industry for nearly 20 years and has held positions in offshore operations, sales, optimization, strategy, and business development. Michael graduated from the United States Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York, with a BS in Marine Transportation and received a commission as an officer in the U.S. Naval Reserve and a USCG Unlimited Tonnage Merchant Marine License. Michael, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career, your business, and a very obvious passion for automobiles and motor oils? Thanks, Mark, for having me. I'm honored to be here. I know you've interviewed a handful of people that were directly or indirectly associated with Redline over the years. My predecessor, Cameron Evans, Jim Morris, James Clay. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm honored to be part of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I think you nailed it. I've worked for Philip 66 for almost two decades now. Started on commercial tankers, hauling Alaska North Slope crude from Valdez to various points on the in the Pacific Northwest and California. And every now and then they throw us a bone when we go to Hawaii. But I've worked through through different roles, and the last couple of years I've been here at Redline. Uh, Phillips acquired Redline back in 2014. I came uh, in 2016 and uh, took the reins from my predecessor, Cameron Evans, who's now CEO of a company called Niteo down in uh, in Dallas. And we yeah. keep in touch, but um, I think you know probably the the best thing I can say for your audience is that I I consider myself an enthusiast, not a maven, not a hardcore gearhead. Then you know, the crowd that I'm exposed to here at Redline day in and day out. But I have a passion for oil. And I have a passion for being part of something that, that manufactures something that's different, that works. And and that's my background. It's, I come from the uh, the oil side, and, and I really love what we do here at Redline. And through that, I've become enthusiastic about vehicles, cars, boats, trucks, motorcycles. Over the last couple of years at Redline, that's really been percolating. And I've you know, I've just loved the industry. I love the people. And I love meeting people like you, Mark. Well, I, I'm very happy to have you on the show. And all those guys you mentioned, past guests, were great guys. Cameron, of course, avid racer. And I mentioned to Michael in our pre-show chat, which lasted a long time, actually. We just hit it off. We had a great time talking about motor oil in the Pacific Northwest and all the things, and even Southern California, where we both have a past. But I used uh, your products in my race cars when I raced. Uh, water wetter, redline gear oils, and motor oils always was thought of as the stuff to put in the race cars. 
Absolutely top-line stuff. And we're going to learn a lot more about that as we kind of continue through your journey. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been important to you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and I can't say it's a very sexy quote, right? But it's something that I think maybe because I'm innately lazy, I hate to say that, it, it always <laughs> comes to the front of my mind. When I was 20, 20, 21 years old on my first ship, we were slow steaming from Barber's Point, Hawaii, to the Hyundai Meeple shipyard in Korea. It was in the middle of summer. We were going probably about 10 knots in the sun. And um, I had a bosun who was, uh, was this great guy. And salt, you know, old salt, he um, had been around, looked like, for maybe 80 years. And wow. he told me, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. And yeah. he, he told me that when he asked me to make a box. I had to make a suggestion box for the captain and for the crew. And this was just a simple box with two hinges and a slot at the top. And I remember working on it for about a week. I handed it to him. And it was like that Mr. Miyagi Karate Kid moment where he said, no, Mike, this isn't good enough, right? Yeah. And he was yeah. a master woodworker. And so he, that would happen week after week. Finally, almost two and a half months go by. And this is about three inches lacquer on this, right? <laughs> and I handed it to him. And I said, here, am I done? He said, I think you're done, Mike. And he said, here's a lesson for you. You know, he said, anything worth doing is worth doing well. And when people come here to put these suggestions in this box, it's not going to be an afterthought. They're going to look at that box and they're going to say, you know what, this is a reflection of the person who made it. And, you know, that's just stayed with me. And it, whether I'm washing dishes, you know, this morning before I came to, to work, I was, I was doing a few dishes and I wanted to stop and I wanted just to do one and walk away. And, and that thought kicked in, that, that yep. quote. And it so often does, probably on a daily basis. So yeah. it got me into trouble too. but. <laughs> no doubt. Well, you know, it's it's a wonderful way to go through life and think about things. And that lesson from an old salty, crusty guy that's been around and done that was so valuable. I'm so glad that stuck with you. I've heard that from many, many people, and especially as it relates to manufacturing or building or, say, building old cars and things. Do it once, do it right, because it's always painful to go back and redo it over and over. Like that that suggestion box that you had to keep doing over and over, but he was obviously teaching you a very valuable lesson in life. So even relates to the dishes. I like that little uh, tie-in that you did there. <laughs> that was good. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, because my goodness, sounds like you've been around the world. You've done a lot of different things. No doubt you've run up against maybe a few uh, squalls and storms, maybe some challenges, maybe even a failure that you met along the way. These are wonderful learning lessons, and they can help others who might be facing the same thing. So kind of walk us through one of your experiences and Tell us how it helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career, your business, or your life. Yeah, you know, I, the, the pivotal, pivotal moment for me was about two and a half years ago, my wife and I had a little boy, and he was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA. And SMA has a variety of, I guess you can say, severity, right? And SMA1, SMA4, and the type groups the lower the type group, the more severe. And he was diagnosed with SMA type 1. And typically those children only have two to three years to live. And it's very similar to, uh, the symptoms are very similar to ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, where you, you atrophy, your muscles atrophy, and you typically pass from respiratory failure. And so this was 
it was heartbreaking. It was wrenching. Right? I've never had something so gut-wrenching in my life. Can't even imagine. Yeah. I remember sitting there with my wife, and we were at Stanford. I remember the doctors came. They had the palliative care team. They sat us down. I said, what do you want to do? I remember saying, well, what do you mean? What do you want to do? I'm like, well, we can do everything we can to make him as comfortable for as long as possible, or this can be over quicker. And, and in not so many words, right? They were very right. um, careful. Yeah. Careful on how they, they worded it. And we looked at each other and I said, hell no. We're going to, you know, this little boy's life's going to be wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, fast forward two and a half years later, he just had his second birthday, you know, not too long ago. And my wife and I have a completely different outlook on life. And I don't want to get too long winded, but. The FDA has come out with a drug, the first drug ever to treat the disease, not to treat the symptoms, called Stinraza, and it's been amazing. It's given us hope, right? And, and hope is such a powerful thing. And um, my wife and I, and I can definitely speak for myself, I have a completely different outlook on it, right? And so I appreciate every day that I'm here. I appreciate walking, swallowing, you know, just the, the simple things in life. I literally, in the morning, I, I make a cup of coffee, and I go outside with my dog, and I just look at the skyline. So it's um, stuff that I've never done before. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And, and, and I feel bad to say me, because really, it's him that's going through the difficulty. But um, it's changed my perspective on life, for sure. Well, I, thanks for sharing a really personal story there. I've got goosebumps on my arms. I, You know... I had Wayne Craney on the show. He's very well known for chasing classic cars and his business. And he has a daughter who has challenges, physical challenges and so forth. And he said the same thing, very similar, that it helped him change his perspective on the value of life. Now, everybody thinks, well, I value life. But everybody goes through life, I think, taking a lot for granted every day. And the fact that that your son, what's his name, I ask? Tristan. Tristan. Shout out to Tristan. I mean, what a wonderful name. I, I Just the fact that he gave you that gift of of seeing things differently is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely yeah, spectacular. You know, I think I'm a better husband, father. I think I'm a better leader. I'm more empathetic. I don't care as much about impressing people, Mark. You know, it's... Um, it, it, I don't know how to, how to describe it. It's one thing to articulate. It's another thing to live through it. So... Yeah, I think overall I'm a better person though because of. It. Well, no doubt, no doubt, and and our children can do that for us in any respect. But uh, wow, what a what a wonderful story to share! Thank you for walking us down that. Now, you know, I usually ask my guests about a story that instigated their passion for cars. Now, when we chatted before uh, the show, you said I'm really more of a oil guy, lubricant guy, than I am a car guy. So. Maybe you're going to answer this question a little differently, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to have some passion for cars, or is it motor oil that you're real passionate about? I, I got to be straight with you. My my passion the last 20 years has been the oil industry. I've always had an affinity for cars. I think every kid does. My dad wasn't a gearhead or a maven, right? I don't remember him ever popping the hood to change anything or fix anything. But I will say at a young age... I. I was, so I was a military brat. I was born in Stuttgart. And I remember we moved to Florida at a very early age. My dad retired. But I remember getting into um, debates with the neighbor kids, you know, my best friends in the neighborhood. And they're all very proud of being born and raised, you know, in Sarasota, Florida. And 
And I was always the outlier. I was born in Stuttgart. No one knew where mm-hmm. that was. And, and I was <laughs> desperate to take pride around, you know, where I came from and right. my birthright, so to speak. I remember my dad told me, well, that's where Porsche is. You know, that's where yeah. Porsche is. And at yeah. that moment, I was probably six or seven years old. Everything was about Porsche. And nice. so I, re- I remember getting into an argument with my buddy, Kurt, who's actually a, an attorney now. But um, he was arguing that Don Johnson's white Tessarosa, right, was the best thing since sliced bread. And then I remember arguing <laughs> um, Tom Cruise's 928, right, from Risky Business was the best. Oh, yeah. And there was no <laughs> internet back then. So I had to go to the library. I had to research everything about the 928. And it, I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't even close. He Testarossa all day long. But I was so passionate about Porsche that um, we would go back for family vacations. And because my dad, my dad was um, the base commander of a military installation, a U.S. military installation outside of Stuttgart in a town called Berbligen. It's still there, Panzer Concern. It's home to uh, the U.S. Special Forces Africa and Europe. So we would go back and because of his position, he had a lot of high-ranking family um, friends that worked for Daimler or for Porsche. And so I always got a chance to go and take tours and ride in these, these cool cars on the Autobahn, you know, as an eight-year-old or nine-year-old. And that, that left a lasting impression. But I would say it was, it was fairly topical. And then the last two and a half years being at Redline, I've become much more of a passionate enthusiast, right? Going to car shows, interacting with our customers with the professional race team, with Cameron Evans, my predecessor, and we still talk often, I've learned and I've grown a much deeper appreciation for all vehicles, right? And, mm. and the lifeblood of vehicles, obviously, for me, is, is lubricants and oil. But um, the, the respect level is completely different. It went from liking, you know, shiny things, hey, that's a Lamborghini, it's beautiful, to appreciating, you know, an older Saab. So it's yeah. uh, it's a different perspective, but I've I'm still probably only two inches deep, but I've uh, I've taken a pivot, and now I change my own oil. I work on my own own car now, probably to my wife's chagrin. But uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's new. It's still relatively new for me. Not like many of uh, your listeners or you know, your interviewees that you've had in the past. But it's uh, it's a deeper appreciation that I've I've come to. Uh, I guess uh, I've come to appreciate in the last couple of years of really being surrounded by people at Redline. Well, and of course, uh, as we're doing the show, this is the last day of SEMA, which is talk about being surrounded by shiny, sparkly things, all these spectacular cars at the show and the event and the the massiveness that the car industry is, uh, which is pretty darn cool. But, you know, I'd probably argue a little bit that I think the 928 is a better car than that Testarossa in many, many ways. Um, (laughs) I I I needed you back when I was eight years old then. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, I, I uh, when they first came out with that car, I disliked it. I'm a huge Porsche fan. So when you say Stuttgart, I, that's like the motherland for me. Yeah. Uh, I love Porsches. But I got to uh, go on a Porsche driving experience way back when the 928 came out and they had all the models there. I was in San Diego and this guy named Vic Elford, who's like super famous Porsche race car driver, was my instructor for the day. And he said, he goes, what do you think about the new 928? I said, I can't stand it. You know, it's the, the engine's on the wrong side of the car and it's water-cooled. And it was like, why is Porsche doing this? He said, you're going to be impressed after today driving that car, comparing it to a 911, a Turbo, and uh, other models. And I was. Um, and I would say, you know, certainly the Testarossa is a sexy car. I mean, Italians make sexy cars. But as far as a better car, um, and I probably got a few guest listeners raising their eyebrows right now. I'm going to get some emails. but. Uh, I think I think overall, and it's it's a fast vehicle. I mean, the 928 is a very fast car, but 
What also comes to mind, which relates to you, Michael, is that great scene in Risky Business. Who's the U-boat captain when that car, <laughs> when that car went into the water? So, uh, yeah. see, there's a tie back here. I feel everything kind of comes around. Yeah, full you circle. Know, it's funny because I, I was thinking of, you know, different different things, influences in my life, and I hate to go back to it, but the mid-80s, the television series in the mid-80s, I think like Magnum P.I. with that 308 yep. GTS, um, yeah. he had Doberman. My family dog is a Doberman now. I'm thinking sublimely, was I over-influenced <laughs> by the amount of TV time I had, right? Night Probably. Rider, Airwolf, all, MacGyver, all these shows yeah. um, influenced me somehow. So, Yeah, I think TV was much better back then, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> most most definitely. Well, listen, you've done a lot of different things. You've been around the world. My goodness. Is there a big career aha moment for you that stands out? You know, a pivotal aha moment, probably not. But when I transitioned from going to sea, right? So my education, my professional training was to be a deck officer on a merchant mm-hmm. ship. I learned cargo ops. I learned navigations, flesco navigation, etc. When I made that shift from shipboard life to shoreside, it was because I, I got married, I had a baby, and I didn't want to be gone half the year. And mm-hmm. I knew I had to take short-term pain for long-term gain, and I, I'd have to retrain myself, but it would be easier to do it now versus 10, 20 years down the road. But to me, the scariest thing was taking that young family from San Diego to Houston, Texas, and becoming I hate to say, a desk jockey, and really retraining myself for a career that was on land. And I took that risk and we took it head on as a family and I did pretty well. And then in 18 months, I went into marketing on the motor fuel side, which was completely foreign to me for the 76 brand. And I did pretty well there as well. And so what I learned from that is that, uh, you know, my confidence grew and I was willing to take more risks. And in life for me so far, and, you know, the two decades or so that I've been with Phillips, Every couple of years, they put me into a new role that, quite honestly, I know nothing about. And usually within 12 to 18 months, I get up to speed pretty quickly and I do fairly well. I'm probably still, like I said, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep, but uh, I'm not afraid to take risks anymore. They're calculated risks, but it's, um, it's something that I would say to when I talk to younger people, especially uh, interns or new hires, that don't be afraid to get out of your company. Right? Of course, yeah. Most important, yeah. Yeah, as long as it's not something that you know you need some sort of doctoral degree or something, it, it, you're not going into rocket science. Right? I would say uh, it, it's typically stuff that you can learn on the job. And if you have a strong work ethic, work ethic and a propensity to learn, you're going to do okay. And that's, yeah. that, I'd say my aha moment is taking that first step off the ship and going to that cubicle and being out of my comfort zone, but still looking back, having done well. It's absolutely imperative. I think it's great when larger companies do that with people. And you, sometimes you say, why do you keep moving people around? But yeah, it's, it's to make them more rounded and it helps you become a better leader down the line because you understand all these different aspects to the business. It doesn't mean you have to be a brain surgeon and have to go in there and, you know, with a scalpel. That's a different career path, but uh, <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. Well, I've got a, a friend listener, Bill, who's out there probably laughing right now because he is a brain surgeon. So. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not everybody can do that very well. It's, uh, definitely specialized. Well, let's talk about a car here. Is there a first car in your life that was really special for you? Maybe you can share a memory about that vehicle. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. So it goes back to, uh, my son, Tristan, 
right? When he was diagnosed, mm-hmm. we had a Suburban. I had a, I had a fun FJ Cruiser that I had lifted and a winch and all kinds of funny, silly stuff on it. But uh, I got rid of that to get a Suburban because the family was growing. We have a, uh, a 10-year-old and a dog and, you know, we love families. So we were going to plan to have more kids as well. And so I got the Suburban and then Tristan was diagnosed. And all of a sudden the Suburban, although it's huge, I mean, the thing's a boat, it was still difficult to transport him. You know, he has a lot of machines. He has a, he breathes on a ventilator. He has a suction machine. He has a, mm-hmm. about three or four pieces of equipment. It was very difficult just to go to the store or go to a doctor appointment. I got a 2016 Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, high roof. And oh, yeah. Down yeah. To these guys in Huntington Beach called El Capitan and Billy down there did an amazing job converting that to a mobility van. Nice. And it's very functional. It's utilitarian. It still looks sexy. I, I still put, you know, nice wheels on it. And, of course. <laughs> You're a car guy. <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty. But um, it's amazing at how a vehicle, and this is where I really, you know, came to appreciate what a vehicle can do for you, how liberating it is, right? We've spent the first, I'd say, six months just trying to keep them alive. And mm-hmm. then the next six months, figuring out how do we leave this house? Right, we're, we're yeah. Oh gosh, twenty four seven. We're we're sitting next to him. We're in the room, and we saved up our money, and I took my Porsche money. Quite honestly, I that my dream car is uh you know one of the nine thirty body style nine eleven turbos, but I took that money and we bought a uh, Sprinter van and we had it converted, and it's amazing. It, it really, I mean, it's not the most fun thing to drive, but the fact that we can go on a Saturday and just say, hey let's go to the park, right? Or let's go down to the coast. And it doesn't take, you know, before it was like moving Napoleon's army. I mean, it would take an hour just to get the suburban set up. Now the van has an inverter. We, we put him in, we have an under vehicle lift. Um, he gets tied in, you know, we strap him into the car, plug in his equipment. He's got his TV up there with Apple play. We're watching cartoons. And within 10 minutes, you know, we're on our way to the coast. And so that vehicle is just for us, it's liberating. And it's brought a sense of normalcy back to our life. So that's probably the most special vehicle I've ever had. What a wonderful story. Uh, that's, you know, remember when our children were born and the first time we went anywhere with them, like we went to the mall. And, and I think now how silly we were because of what your challenges are of, oh my gosh, we got to get the stroller and we got to do the bags and all this stuff. And it was like, seemed like this big deal. All of a sudden that just evaporated out of my brains because of <laughs> what you're challenged with. But those sprinter vans are great. They're cool looking. Uh, I saw I was at the Ironstone Concord a month or so ago where Mercedes had a beautiful display of new vehicles and they had one of those there, which was kind of an executive version uh, versus a limousine. Um and much more room. Yeah, very cool. They're they're really great vehicles. So very, very nice. Well, how about Sellers Remorse? Is there a car you've owned and let go that you wish you had back? I not really. You know, every every vehicle I've had was in a certain season of life or a, a chapter of my life and it was it was fun. And uh I remember having a three seventy Z back in two thousand nine and I had a lot of fun with that car. But when I moved to Portland, the roads, the conditions, it just wasn't I had you know, I had fun for the time and I sold it. I think that car probably out of all my cars, maybe 10, 20 years from now, I'm going to regret. But uh, man, that was such a beautiful car. I had so much fun driving it. There, there's absolutely nothing practical about it. And it was my daily driver. It was the only car I had at the time. But um, maybe, maybe that's the only one. Uh, otherwise, I've enjoyed cars as I've had them. And when I sold them, it was time to move on. And 
there's no looking back, at least. Now. Well, that's a good way to go through life. Yeah. <laughs> I've had way too many remorse stories that bug me that I should have never sold that car. But no, I, do I understand. Uh, a lot of cars I spent way too much money in aftermarket parts. Most, most well, cars, that's but nothing wrong with that, Michael. When I sold them, <laughs> that's normal. That's just normal. You don't count that money spent. Yeah, you don't I, add that up. Don't even don't even write it down. It's not allowed. So you know, I have it definitely. Who do that, and then when they sell it, they they take the time to take everything off and put all the, you know, the all the stuff back, back on. on. Well, it's never I, I look back and like, how much money have I just given away? But yeah. oh well, you yeah. enjoy the experience. That's the that's the most important thing. Well, I would love for you to share a little more about what has you and your team there at Redline Oil excited and fired up. Here we are at the end of the SEMA week, a fantastic SEMA week. I mean, again, uh, my thirtieth year down here in Vegas, and it's just spectacular. But what has you excited and fired up that you want to share with my listeners about Redline Oil and what they can expect as they look into your product line? I mean, most of my listeners already know about who you guys are, but uh, here's your chance to kind of pitch the company. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, those who know us, we've been around for almost 40 years. Next year will be our 40th year. They know us for quality, right? We make a premium product. Everything that we make bumper to bumper has the, uh, the best chemistry. Um, for protection and performance design for vehicles. And the one thing that we've always been missing was factory warranty. Many people, you know, they don't realize that when you see a lubricant, whether it's a gear oil or a motor oil that says full synthetic on the bottle, um, doesn't mean it's the same as another bottle that says full synthetic, right? Primarily with red line. And I won't go into the legality issues back in the 90s that created that kind of quagmire. But for something that's typically $6.99 versus a redline bottle that's $11.95, I mean, you're getting a different quality product. Now, we can argue all day long on whether or not that price point is, is worth it based on the difference, but it is different. You do get better protection and better performance. But the one area that we've always had a challenge with, and the area that I think we need to grow in in order to be viable as redline 20, 30 years for another 40 years, is in motor oil, right? Motor oil is a, is a consumable, much more so than gear oil is. And more so, we need to be viable. We need to be in the hands of professional installers, whether they're the German variant auto works of the world or the quick loops of the world, like uh, you know what you see in, in most places where most people go. And the way you do that is you have a lubricant, a motor oil that's OEM factory warranty. And the reason Redline has never been in that space before is because we've always exceeded all these standards. And so it's very difficult to get the Porsche approval, the Mercedes-Benz approval, the GM Dexos approval, or the API approval, uh, because we always exceeded the specifications and we were never willing to, I guess, say, lower our standards. And I use this analogy a lot. I apologize if I'm going off tangent and getting a little long-winded here. But um, you know, in Porsche in the 90s, I always go back to Porsche. They came out with um, the Panamera, the Cayenne, the Macan, the, the true diehards, probably like yourself, are thinking, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. Right? I remember our family friends in Stuttgart who worked for Porsche, where they were talking about quitting. Right? They were just, this is blasphemy. Well, what did it do? It brought in a significant amount of cash. And it gave the consumer what they wanted as they got older, as they had kids. They still wanted a performance sedan. They wanted a performance SUV. And so Porsche gave them what they wanted, and they still make beautiful 911s, right? They still have the GT2 RS, the GT3. I mean, they still make 
beautiful sports car. And so at Redline, as I've taken the helm, I wanted to pursue uh, OEM-approved motor oil. And at SEMA, we're launching what we call our professional series of motor oils. And so we have Porsche approval. We have BMW, Volkswagen, Audi. We have the GM. We have APISN Plus, which is the new classification for low-speed pre-ignition. Now, these aren't your PAO ester-based, you know, top-end premium redline lubricant, but they're mostly Group 3 PAO products still, and they're all full synthetic, but they have the OEM approval. So the tolerance that the OEMs dictate, right, have to be met, which means that we can't use as much zinc to thiophosphate as we use in the what we call our high-performance line. But we still are able to design around the specification to exceed the standards, but still remain within the tolerances. And we produce it, you know, locally here in Benicia, Northern California. And so for OEM approved oil, uh, we think we have some of the best. And it's not necessarily lowering the standards of Redline. I don't look at it that way. I look at it from feedback I've gotten over the years from Redline enthusiasts that say, yeah, you know what? I pour your gear oil, but I don't pour your motor oil. And from the professional installers, they say, we need that OEM approval, especially if the vehicle is still under warranty. And so now we have it. And we're, we're proud to launch it. We're launching it um, at SEMA. And it's going to be available, uh, hopefully, at your local installer pretty soon. Well, that is exciting. Very exciting. And I'm glad you brought all that up because back when I was racing, yeah, I, I thought, well, I wouldn't use this in my regular car. I'd just use it in my race car. And then I stopped and go, well, why would that be? Because, I, you know, oil is a cheap, cheap insurance on a vehicle. And why people don't change their oil more often, I, I know manufacturers now, some of them say you can go 10,000 miles. No, oh, I can't. Yeah. Can't 15. I can't do that. No, I'm sorry. I mean, it's just too inexpensive to preserve that vehicle. And I keep cars for a long time. I mean, my, my daily driver is a 14, 15-year-old M3. My wife's is a 16-year-old X5. My, my toy car, you're going to like this, is a 30-year-old 930 Porsche uh, Turbo. So, uh, yeah. So, I keep cars a long time. So, I put good oil in them. I change them more frequently than I probably have to, but I do. It makes me feel good. I know it makes the cars last longer. So, I'm so excited for you guys. Congratulations on this new era in Redline's history. This is fantastic. Going to be launching it at SEMA is the right place to do it as well. Very, very cool. Well, Michael, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were a vehicle, maybe you're a ship. I'm not sure. We'll see. In, <laughs> in your garage tomorrow, what would you be and why? <sighs> Probably a Land Rover Defender. Oh, cool. I like it's, it. Utilitarian. I'd say it's practical, but it's <laughs> the price point's not practical. But it's uh, something you can dress up and take to a, a black tie event or something that, uh, you know, you can take off-road camping if, if you wanted to, and it fits the whole family. So that's, I'd say if you asked me this question 10, 20 years ago, it'd be a different mm-hmm. answer for sure. But it, at this point in life, it, and I know they're not in production anymore, but that's probably an older, you know, early 2000s model. Yeah, they're cool. They're cool. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Very nice. Well, Michael, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal... Let's change our motor oil and say thank you to today's sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside. 
even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom patterned for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Michael, we are back and we're entering the last lap. Fresh oil in the tank. We're doing really good here. I think I'm going to fire off a series of questions for you and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? It's slightly different. So this is uh, my dad told me, if you have to ask how much, you can't afford it. Oh, well, I like that one too. I thought for sure it'd be change your motor oil often, but uh, we already know that. But uh, you're right. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. I heard that one a lot too as a kid. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to you many successes over the years? Hard work and don't cut corners. Absolutely. That sounds like a good motto for uh, Redline Oil, too. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I really enjoy uh, The Drive, so especially their engineered series. If you go on YouTube, just uh, search The Drive. They yeah. did a great piece on, you know, Cameron Evans did a great piece on them a couple of years ago. But everything in terms of uh, vehicles, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's great. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Dan Gert. Oh, yeah. God, I wanted to get him on this show so bad for so many years. His health was declining, and he was so busy. I mean, the guy was just working right up to when we lost him. But uh, I got to meet him a couple times and spend just a few brief moments with him. Just a wonderful man. I don't think there's anyone who's ever said anything bad about Dan who worked with him, who raced against him, who was around him in his life. Yeah, we really lost a, a spectacular uh, in, engineering genius <laughs> in, uh, in our lives here. So uh, yeah, Dan Gurney, shout out to Dan. I'm going to have his son as a guest on the show here sometime soon. So uh, I think that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, you know, the one thing I can say about my time at sea is that I read a lot. 
And that, mm-hmm. that same bosun that had me build that damn box, he <laughs> introduced me to an author, I think from your neck of the woods up there in the Pacific Northwest. His name is Tom Robb. And I okay. read every single book from that man, probably twice. But my all-time favorite was the one that they made into a movie. And the movie, I don't think it did very well. But even Cowgirls get the one ah. of my favorite all-time books. And then my, my son, Tristan's favorite book is Pout Pout Fish. So that's, that's up there with it because I love, <laughs> love how he laughs when I read it. There you go. Yeah, great. You know, what you should do is I'll introduce you to Dwight T. Knowlton, who's a past guest here, who's written some awesome books for kids that you should get your hands on uh, for Tristan. Uh, car books about stories about cars and dads and cars. And he even did oh. one about a dad and a daughter with an old car. So, uh, yeah, just go I to... Uh, yeah, yeah. Carpe Diem, uh, Dwight T. Knowlton books. You can find his uh, page on my website and you can find everything that michael has shared here on his page on the cars yeah website just go to cars type in michael andrew and that will pop right up all right we're up to the checkered flag michael and this last question can be a bit of a doozy today i'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet maybe it's one of these cool cars here at sema whatever you want it doesn't matter money is no object today but there's a couple rules you can only have this one car as a collector car you have to drive it no garage queens here um, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick's off the table. What can I buy you today? I want your Porsche 930. <laughs> my car. Oh, <laughs> ouch. You're the first one who said they want my Orange Crush. Uh, that, and that's what I call my car, as my listeners know, my Orange Crush, because it's a very unique paint-to-sample metallic orange. So, ow! This is it's like... beautiful. And, I, you know, I saw, I only saw a little bit of it. You had um, a, a YouTube, a short YouTube video about your your pending move into television perhaps yeah yeah and you pulled up in that car i didn't realize it was yours so you just just told me but uh, i saw enough of it to know that's the one i want oh my god now i got a lot of listeners laughing right now going now you set yourself up here you know i mean you know it's it's kind of interesting uh, i've had a lot of people ask for porsche turbos but you're the first one to ask for mine i guess i gotta <laughs> prove my i gotta prove my worth and my word here oh you know, you ouch uh, growing up, you know, that was in, in the mid eighties, late seventies and mid eighties, my phoneable year, so to speak, that was a car yeah. I always wanted. Oh, and yeah. there was a time probably in the nineties where you can pick them up for fairly, I don't want to say cheap, but affordable. No, they price. were. Yeah. yeah. And then I finally have, uh, I guess a decent amount of money in the bank where I can maybe buy one. And I go to look it up and the, pr- the sticker price no. of those cars. Now, I guess there's, there's more Michael Andrews out there who finally have the money from the, you know, well, in the late yeah. 70s. And here's Andrews. the deal. Yeah, here's the deal with Porsches. I mean, the older cars, a uh, rising tide floats floats all boats, right, Michael? You know that yep. from being on the sea. So uh, the increase in collector car markets with the long, what they call the long hood Porsches, even the short wheelbase 911s from 65 all the way through 73, um, and even now, starting to get into that kind of odd area of 74, 75 through 77, where they had some engine issues. But um, yeah, it's brought everything up. And when I got my car, luckily, uh, the prices were pretty low. It was about eight, nine years ago. But now they've kind of, well, they have, they, they kind of went really high. They've dipped down a little bit, but they're still quite expensive. But uh, oh my, this is a tough one. Well, well, Michael, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, getting to know you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Great time here at SEMA. Congratulations on Redline and the new launch here at SEMA and to everybody that's been at SEMA this week. I want to uh, offer, I have you offer one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off in the sunset in my 
Porsche Turbo Orange Crush. <laughs> so Ow! Ow! Here's what I'd like to say for anyone who's who's listening, and <laughs> it takes me somewhat seriously, but don't take life too seriously. Focus and be thankful for today, and remember to be kind. Absolutely, and, and send some good wishes out to Tristan and uh, and Michael here and his wife and family. A shout out to your son uh, for his challenges, but his spirit and what he's brought to you and others and all the listeners here today, I'm sure, have been uh, enlightened and brought forward in a positive way with his story. I think it's fantastic that you shared that. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Redline Oil? That's a great question. Redlineoil.com. Visit us, learn about us, click on the Why Redline page, watch the short video. And best of all, if you have any questions, give us a call. We love talking to to people who love cars, who love oil, who want to know why Redline is different, what we can do for you, and you know where you can get it. So website, YouTube, just give us a call. Or if you're in Northern California, walk through the door, you know, take a tour. There you go. Love to see it. Invitation. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I think here in the future, too, I'm going to get your uh, chemist on the show here. We talked about that. The guy who uh, started the company, who's back in the company now. I think that'll be a really cool interview for him to give his perspective of uh, the intricacies and details of why motor oils are different and why some are better than others. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Michael shared on his show notes page at the Carsia website. As I mentioned before, just go to Carsia.com, type in Michael Andrew. And that page will pop up. Check out Redline uh, for everybody that I got to talk to here at SEMA this week. Awesome. Thanks for coming up saying hello. What a week it's been. Michael, thanks for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with my listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.